Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. It's been quite a journey for Cavis Reed. Broke into the CFL about 20 years ago as a defensive back for the Edmonton Eskimos, then became a coach. He was a coordinator. He coached the Edmonton Eskimos for three seasons, went to Montreal a couple of years on their coaching staff, and now Cavis Reed, the general manager of the Montreal Alouettes. My grandfather always say Rolling Stone gathers on Mars, right? <laughs> well, you're right. You're uh, you're a busy guy, and uh, you always keep going, and you always keep trying to better yourself uh, and and take on new experiences. And that's where I kind of want to start here tonight, Cavis. I mean, look, I first knew you as uh, as a football player. You were really popular and, and excellent Eskimo when you played quarterback. You transitioned into uh, coaching. You got to be the head coach here. You were on the Alouettes coaching staff. I think a lot of people saw that as as your path in life where did the interest in being a gm someday spring up for you where did where did this start that all led to today's announcement yeah you know just like my entire football career i've been very deliberate about the next step and the next uh, chapter in my football life and uh before accepting the position here in montreal a part of the agreement with jim pop was that he was going to help me in terms of transitioning into a more personnel uh, administrative role and i give complete credit to jim for keeping that word and opening up the doors for me, allow me to work more intimately with things like the SMS, uh, to allow me more access to how he does his scouting, uh, things that uh, he himself uh, developed over the years. So that mentoring was extremely important to me. I knew that I needed an academic foundation in terms of the business side of it, so I went back to school a few years ago and gathered my MBA. And, and in order to be able to understand the business aspect and business language and not be out of place with re- respect to that. So uh, I had planned uh, by 45 to transition out of coaching at 43. I, I, had, uh, I have made that transition now, and uh, I'm very happy to say that I think that we did it the right way. Well, you're right, and I know we talked to you in in the past. That was a, a storyline about you working to get your MBA. So that's that's so cool that you committed to that and and got that done. And, and clearly, you're a, a patient, big picture thinker type guy. So I'm third. I'm sure that'll help you in being a GM. But I do want to ask you, Cavis. You've spent the last you know 20 25 years of your life going back to when you were a high school athlete or before high school you know involved in that game day experience x's and o's battling it out on a game day whether you were a player or coach don't you think you'll miss uh, some of that element or or how do you uh, how do you look at maybe leaving some of that 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 competitive aspect of the job behind you know absolutely uh, we, we we have a tremendous passion for sports when you're in this at this level you have to have that that has to be a driver for you 
and the fact that you're not going to be on the sidelines or you're not going to be in the meeting rooms uh, communicating directly with the players uh, strategizing in terms of uh, game planning uh, it's going to be different for me as a head coach it was a little bit different in terms of not being hands-on with the players having a positional group to coach having uh, you know final seven game plans etc so I had a little bit of uh, uh, experience with that having been a head coach and stepping back and now stepping back as a general manager because once the ball kicks off that's that's the head coach's job that's the head coach's domain and it's my uh, my time to be able to observe the team and make certain we're always making improvements that will allow him to be successful Davis Reed joining us on Inside Sports, the general manager of the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, obviously a tough couple of years in uh, Montreal. I mean, you certainly, uh, well, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm guessing you didn't achieve the win totals that, that you would have liked. Um, as you move into your role as the GM, what are, uh, you know, a priority for you in terms of team needs, uh, a position or a position or two you need to address, hopefully ASAP? Yeah, you know, the first thing is to make certain we establish the, the culture of winning uh, and the culture of accountability at all levels, players, coaches, staff, whomever is involved in the football family with the Montreal Alouettes, we have to have that culture. We have to have defined and clear roles so that people understand that any compromise in that will compromise our chances of being successful. And then you move into just looking at the team in terms of personnel. Uh, we have to make certain that we do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. We have some exceptional young talent that have gone through a difficult time in terms of their development based on the fact that we didn't get the win totals that we wanted, but we can't stop the progress of their progression. We obviously have to see where we need to improve because our record obviously says that. Uh, we're going to definitely make certain that we try to address the quarterback situation so that we can have a, a quote-unquote proverbial uh, franchise quarterback that we can move forward with. Uh, we're going to make certain that we address things that we feel that we need to to make us competitive right away. And, and, and there are a lot of areas that we need to address, and I think a lot of other teams are saying that. Only one team uh, had everything that it needed and did everything it needed to win the Great Cup, and that's Ottawa, and we want to be in that position next year. Kavis, I'm glad you brought up quarterback. Um, I mean, even in, even in your time here uh, in Edmonton, you went through a transition in, in, in that position, and, and I think that led to maybe a couple tough years while you were here. And I'm just wondering in Montreal, I mean, I know Rakeem Cato is there, uh, Vernon Adams, I know people speak highly of. Uh, is the franchise quarterback there, or, or do you need to have somebody somebody else or somebody until there can be a transition to one of the younger guys how do, how do you look at the position now yeah and with, as i said we want to make certain we continue to be true to the process of those guys development we identify that those guys have talent they have playing ability there are a lot of other things that go around building a quarterback and make a certain you stabilize a quarterback uh, we want to add hopefully somewhere shape or form uh, be someone who is down in the states or have played in the league whatever the case may be we want to add that veteran presence so that we can help in the grooming process we want to make certain that we bring in enough young guys that we can 
make a decision. Uh, and that is an area where we're going to be extremely careful about how we vet and extremely careful about how we bring into our locker room because we want to make certain we find that person. But we got to do our due diligence in terms of the scout and to make certain we have the right people that we bring forward. And it could be Rakeem Cato. It could be any of the quarterbacks we currently have on the roster, but we have to make certain the process is efficient and, uh, and, and the decision is efficient. Davis, before I let you go, I, I got a loyal listener, uh, Jeremy, from the town of Glendon. That's uh, east of Edmonton. Uh, that's the one that has the big pierogi. I don't know if you ever knew about that. Uh, he has a question, and it's, it's a good one. I think he's being a little cheeky, but it's worth asking. He says, uh, Reed, can you ask Cavus how his French is? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I have committed that when in Rome, you do as the Romans do. And I have committed to uh, making certain that I upgrade my my friends because I want to be able to communication is critically important and it is a very good question as TK as it may be but it is a very important question communication is vital and when 80% of your uh, your fan base speak a, a language it is my responsibility and everyone else's responsibility to assimilate to that not the opposite way uh, we're going to be charged with winning a football game but at the same time we want to be active members of the community or, or to do that we be, need to be able to speak the language Davis, it's always great to have you on the show. I know you've had a busy day doing a lot of interviews like these, so I thank you for making time for uh, the station you used to be on almost daily, 6.30 Chad here and everything. All the best. I know we'll catch up again. I, I, I love you guys, and I didn't even need to look at the sheet to get the number. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We'll talk to you soon, Davis. Take care. That's Cavus Reed, classy guy. Always good to have him on the Edmonton Airwaves. It's the best of inside sports on 6.30 Chad. And, and this next interview might be the best from the whole year. Phil Esposito, when we get back. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. Well, the Oilers recently beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2 in a shootout. That was a Saturday night game at Rogers Place. The night before that game, I was able to catch up with Phil Esposito, who's a radio analyst for the Lightning, an NHL legend, and a guy who helped put the Lightning in Tampa Bay. You're going to be entertained by this conversation. We'll talk about players uh, protecting themselves, talk a little bit about players that got under Esposito's skin. But we started off... Talking about the Lightning season and how they're out there without Steve Stamkos long-term. He has a knee injury. Well, they've got to deal with it. Uh, this is the third year in a row that Steve has been hurt. The first year, he broke his leg. He was gone. The Lightning did pretty well. The uh, second year, he had the blood clot when he went to the finals. And you know what? The team did pretty well. They fared okay. Last year... You know, he we went to the, I guess, the conference finals, lost to Pittsburgh in seven games, and Stammer came back, Stamkos came back and played just the last game. But he wasn't 100%, and there's no doubt about that. But, hey, listen, you've got to deal with injuries in, in this game. And there seems to be more injuries now than ever before. Um, and uh, the th- thing that surprises me is these guys are supposed to be in such great shape why the hell are they getting hurt all the time? So what do you think's happening? You think that the stars are getting picked on? Do you think it's uh No, I personally think on? it's the equipment. Yeah. I personally think it's the equipment. That's what I think. I think they got too much of this equipment that is 
is lethal weapons. You give a guy an elbow with that elbow pads, he's going to be gone. You hit him with your shoulder in the jaw, he's going to be gone. And there's no doubt about that. And these guys are much faster now because there's no interference. You can't interfere in a guy. You can't hold him up a little bit. So they're just going faster. And they're bigger. There's no doubt about that. They're bigger. And... Uh, you know, nobody's going to tell me that Cornway couldn't skate as fast as some of these guys, without a doubt. And so could Bobby Orr. And so could Bobby Hull. I can go on and name a few more guys. But for the most part, all these guys have to skate well. And without the interference and without and with the equipment they got, everybody blocks shot. I showed my grandson my shin pads that I wore when I played, because I still have them. He said, they look like paper mache. I says, well, that's right. I said, when we blocked the shot, it was by accident. Because the goaltender, we didn't ask him to score. <laughs> so, we scored. The goalie stops it. That was the way it was. So you don't remember, were there any guys who prided themselves on blocking shots when you played? Well, yeah. Uh, Donnie on the Bruins, Donnie Aury, Gary Doak used to block shots, and they did a good job. They did a real good job of that. They knew when to go down. I remember Al Arbor. I played against him a little bit, Al Arbor, um, and he dropped shots, all uh, blocked shots a lot. There were guys, but they knew what to do, when to go down, how to do it. Everybody just gets in front of everything now, and that's all right. It's because of the equipment and, uh, you know, but they get hurt in the ankles and every place else. Yeah. Well, Ryan Nugent Hopkins broke his hand blocking a shot last year for there you go. the Empton Oilers. And, and, and you know what? The other thing is the sticks. Those sticks, yeah, they make you probably increase the shot, would you say, maybe 10 miles an hour faster? Mm-hmm. Maybe even more. I don't know. And then they break. They break at the most inopportune times. I just bought my grandson six sticks, cost me $1,800. I said, what are you kidding me? I never bought sticks before in my life, <laughs> except for when I was a kid. Uh, I mean, where does it stop? Where does it stop? I don't know. So how long would a stick last, or how many sticks would you use in a season when, when you played for the Bruins and the Rangers? If I used six, it was a lot. Really? Yep. Wow. Because I had a Northline Pro. It was as heavy as I could get it. It was, uh, the shaft was pretty stiff, and the blade was as big as I could have because the blade was more like a goaltender's blade than a stick because my idea was, well, I handle a puck maybe 70, 80 times in a game, and I get maybe three or four shots in a game. So I felt uh, I'll take away from the shot a little bit because if I put it on a certain spot, I don't give a damn who the goalie was. He wasn't going to stop it. Right. And uh, it's all I had to do is shoot at about 80 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, and he couldn't move quick enough to stop it. So all these things, for me, that's what I thought, you know. The, and with the puck, the way it bounces now, it even bounces more now than it, it, than it did before. So... Um, I don't know. The game is so much quicker, though, for sure, than when we played. And these guys are talented. Yeah. They are talented, boy. 
Phil Esposito joining us tonight. I mean, we got one of the most talented guys in the league. We get to watch night after night. Connor McDavid. Uh, I know you're a lucky guy. Lucky. I, I saw him in the. I saw him at the World Cup, and I I was impressed by the way he went through the neutral zone. There was only one other guy that I ever saw go through the neutral zone that quick, and that was Bobby Orr. And um, this kid Carlson, that plays for Ottawa, goes through that neutral zone pretty quick too. But this is that first time I've ever seen a a forward that can go through that neutral zone so quickly and turn on the speed so much. He's a heck of a player. He really is. Uh, Maybe turn out to be one of the greatest ones. And here you go. Edmonton gets another one. Well, we were lucky to win that lottery. Connor had a bit well, of a... Well, you had it for six years in a row. <laughs> hey, only four out of six, Phil. Slow down. <laughs> oh, well, excuse me for that. <laughs> if you didn't finally pick the right one, jeez. <laughs> hey, uh, Connor had a bit of, of a... Of course, though, Ray Charles could have picked Connor McDavid. Well, that's oh, good... L- 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 what is it, Lani? Patrick Lani for Winnipeg, yeah. He's a pretty good one, too. Did you see him? So Matthews. Did you see Line score in his own net here in Edmonton last weekend? I did not. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough <laughs> one for the kid. We've all done it. <laughs> Yo, you you couldn't have ever done it, Phil. I did it in an All-Star game. What in happened? overtime. Oh, what happened? I put it in the net beside behind Billy Smith and our own team. And then after Billy says, "What the hell are you doing back here?" I said, "I don't know." <laughs> Just instinct, eh? You just shot it in? No, I deflected. Perfect deflection. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, at least Billy didn't slash you. At least maybe not at that no, night. Well, it was an all-star game. And <laughs> at least we tried in an all-star game, not like they do now. Yeah. Uh, I just want to ask you, McDavid had a bit of a, uh, a showdown there with uh, Brandon Manning for the Philadelphia Flyers. There's some bad blood between those two players. Was there a guy who always got under your skin or bugged you when you played or was just a real agitator? Everybody on the other team <laughs> bugged me. Okay, everybody. Didn't make a difference. Uh, look, some guys are one of those guys that do that, that. I remember Terry Harper, who played for Montreal and then Los Angeles. He used to aggravate me all the time because he would always clutch and grab and hold on. And... Uh, that, that would aggravate me, but nah, you know, the guys did what they had to do to play, and if you couldn't handle it, then get out of the game. Well, and there's a lot of talk these days about star players. Are they protected? Do we need more fighting coming back in, and are they targeted? I mean, I'm sure... Well, you're, wait a minute. You're never going to get more fighting coming back in with helmets, face guards, and all that other stuff. You're not. So uh, protect them? No, they've got to protect themselves. That's just the way it is. I, I don't agree that you're protected. Now, years ago, there were the, the, the tough guys that would protect. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was no doubt, but they were allowed to protect themselves. You're not allowed to protect yourself now in the game. If a guy comes charging at you in our day, you put the stick up and you made him meet it. You know, nowadays you do that, you get the penalty. So what do you do? Your natural reaction is to turn your body. And when you turn your body, what, they nail you and bingo, you go into the boards. Why don't they allow the guys to protect themselves? I don't understand that rule. I'll never understand it. 
That's Phil Esposito. Never gets old having him on the show. It's the best of Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Still to come, Rogie Vashon and Jay Onright. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. This year's Hockey Hall of Fame class included one of the top goalies throughout the 1970s, Rogi Vashon. Caught up with him shortly after he was inducted into the Hall. That was really, really special. Um, you know, I had uh, I had my kids and grandkids with me. I had my brothers and sisters and on the other side, and it was really magical. Rogi, you're a player that some people thought this was overdue, that you should have been inducted into the Hall of Fame already. Did you think about that all? Were, were you waiting and, and hoping for it to happen, or how did you approach that? Well, uh, you know, originally uh, I thought maybe I had a shot at it, and then when it did not happen over the years, so after a while I just uh, forgot about it, you know, and I said, well, you know, it's not going to happen. Uh, Certain things in life you can't control, and that's one of them. And I just let it go. And uh, all of a sudden, I got out of the blue. I get a call. Then there you go. So what was your reaction when you got the call? Well, it was incredible. You know, I got a call from Lenny McDonald, and <clears throat> you know, he said, "Well, congratulations, you're in." So uh, I hadn't talked to Lenny for years. So I said, "Well, why would he call me?" I said, "Well, Lenny, uh, I mean, what?" So he said, well, congratulations, you made the Hall the of Fame. So it was a total shock. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, you, you broke into the NHL with the Montreal Canadiens and, and played a few seasons there. What was it like joining a team that, you know, was so incredibly successful and, and trying to, uh, you know, to make your way in a, in a city and with a club where obviously the expectations are obviously incredibly high? Yeah, Montreal. Uh, there was there was obviously a lot of pressure because uh, uh, you you know they expect you to win. Uh, if you lose two games in a row, I, in my days anyway, when I was in Montreal, if you would lose two games in a row, uh, the whole town would panic. So it was really something incredible. Uh, a lot of pressure, but uh, a lot of fun to play with. So I guess it's just the opposite, though, when things were going good, right? Then, then, then you're the hero every night. <laughs> well, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> but uh, you know, if uh, if you're if you're in goal and you give up a couple of bad goals, uh, you'll hear about it the next day. Yeah. Don't don't go in a restaurant or a gas station or something because everybody will talk about it. Um, I mean, you were you remember some really good teams, and then. Uh, as well in 1971, I guess that that was when uh, when Ken Dryden broke onto the scene as well. What do you remember about those uh, 71 playoffs and, and Ken's emergence? Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, they brought in uh, Kenny uh, with what about six games to go, I believe, and because uh, the position was already set for the playoff and. And he uh, comes in and he wins like, I don't know, I don't think he lost a game. So uh, they decided to start him in the playoff and he winds up winning the MVP of the playoff and he wins the cup. So uh, that then the next summer, I, I went to see Mr. Pollock, the manager, and I asked to be traded. Um, you know, I could have stayed as a number two, number two goalie and maybe win three or four more cups with him. 
but I was, st- I was still young, and I wanted to be a number one goalie somewhere. It didn't matter. I tell you, you can you know, trade me anywhere. I don't care. And I was very lucky to wind up in Los Angeles. Well, and I think that's how a lot of people remember you, especially if, if people people my age, Rogie. I mean, I was born in the early 70s, so uh, that's kind of how I best remember you. But, uh, I mean, what was it like going to Los Angeles at that time? It was still a relatively new NHL market. It mu- was, it, was it a little bit of a contrast from the, the hype that was always surrounded the Canadians? Oh, absolutely. It was really a culture shock, you know. Uh, you go from, uh, from the best team in hockey to, and back to Los Angeles, and we, at that time, we really had, we had a bad team. Uh, so, and I, on top of that, uh, when I got to Los Angeles, uh, I popped my knee and I was out for the year. So uh, I came back the next, the next year, in uh, 1972-73. So uh, after a couple of years while I was there, uh, Bob Pulford took over as a coach, and then things changed. You know, he, he set up a nice uh, system for our team, and we started winning in, in like, in 74. And uh, 75, we had a great year, um, won up 105 points, which is still a record for the Kings. And uh, that, even and on top of that, we were in the Montreal Canadiens division. So we were doing all kind of traveling, and these guys were back east most of the time. And uh, But we had, a, we had a good time, and I think that's why uh, the Kings became very respectful, uh, respectable. And when all of a sudden the crowd was coming in, and some nights were outdrawing the Lakers, so uh, that was a good time. I, I still never have figured that out, Rogie. How Montreal and LA were in the same division, but uh, <laughs> I'll have to. Keep yeah, it. me too. I, I'm still, uh, I'm still thinking about it. And <clears throat> we were right there with them. With I don't know what about what about a month ago. And we went to Montreal. We, I think we beat him, or if I, one of the last time. And and all of a sudden, uh, the last month, we ran out of gas a little bit, and then uh, they took off and wound up with 113 points. Rogie Vashon joining us here on 6:30. Ched recently inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. You were the uh, to, to to move on past your your playing career for a second here. You were the the Kings general manager when Wayne Gretzky went from the Oilers to the Kings. Um, just give me a sense of of your memories of that going down. And I mean, a lot of people when when the rumors started, they never believed it could become a reality. But but it sure did happen. It's never going to be forgotten here in Edmonton. What was that experience like for you, Rogie? Oh, that was that was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, when we uh, when we got Wayne here, um, when you, he was like God in Canada. You know, everybody he was. You know, he could have become a prime minister, and everybody loved him. So, but when he came in the states, uh, I didn't realize how big he was going to be in the states. Uh, and uh, you know, we were going on the road. Uh, we're um, having sellout crowds just about everywhere. And uh, I remember uh, after games. Mm, Players on the other team were asking for uh, Wayne's autograph and that kind of stuff. So that was pretty cool. 
Rogi, I mean, you've, you've stayed involved with the Kings organization, uh, I, I think, for, for most of your, your post-playing career. I know you'll, you'll correct me if I'm wrong there, but what's it been like for you the last few seasons just to see them become, uh, you know, a powerhouse in the NHL, win a Stanley Cup, and now an organization that a lot of people look to and say, well, we kind of want to do it the way the Kings are doing it? Yeah, yeah. It was... Uh you know, the one thing I regret in my, in my career in L.A., we, uh, we didn't go deep in the playoff. Uh, we never won the Cup. But uh, the last five or six years, uh, you know, the Kings win two Cups in, in uh, three or four years span. And they, uh, right now, uh, you know, you lose your top goalie. That's pretty tough. But they're still, they're still pretty strong. And, uh, you know, it's fun to watch. Is is there a goalie that plays now that reminds you of you when you played? I know the styles have changed a little bit, but is there anybody that uh, you see any similarities with? Uh, no. No? <laughs> no, because right now they all have the same style. You know, like um, in my days, we used to stand up and then try to find the puck, but, uh, the puck between legs and, and then react to the puck. Now... Uh, all the goalies in the league, uh, they're like six foot three, six foot four, and the equipment that they have now is just incredible. The size of the shoulder pads and everything, and the gloves, and uh, no, they they get in position and then they drop on their knees and they uh, challenge the uh, the shooter to uh, find a hole. Right. So you obviously weren't as well protected when you played with the padding and everything. No, no. <laughs> I have a great, my grand. It's funny because my grandson uh, is a goalie. He's 11 years old, and he's got a better equipment than I had when I was playing. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, jeez. And it's nice and light and, and bulky and covers a lot of net. All right, Rogie. Um, obviously, you're still you're still watching hockey. Whether it's somebody on LA or someone else in the league, uh, and it can be a goalie or, or a defenseman or a forward. Anybody you you really enjoy enjoy watching in the league right now that you think really is a special player or just fun to watch? Well, yeah. There's there's a, a bunch of kids coming out that just came in the last two, two or three years, and they're really fun to watch. Uh, me, obviously. Uh, I'm here with, uh, uh, you know, with uh, the LA, LA Kings goalie, uh, Jonathan Quick, and I know he's injured now, but he's really fun to watch. And I watch a lot of TV back east, and uh, I think uh, Curry Price is just phenomenal goalie right now. Hockey Hall of Fame goaltender Rogi Vashon. Very entertaining interview there. It's the best of Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Speaking of entertaining, you may have been entertained by our next guest, a few times. Maybe you saw him on TSN. Maybe you've read one of his books. Jay Onright, when we get back. Hey, this is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, hope Christmas has been great to you. New Year's coming up on the weekend. We have an Oilers game on Thursday night. They'll play the Kings. 5.30 face-off show. Game starts at 7.00. 
New Year's Eve, Saturday, Oilers and Canucks, a 6 o'clock face-off show, and then that game will start at 8, all right here on 6.30. Chet, well, uh, it's always uh, fun to have Jay Onright on the show. We try to have him on three or four times a year, working in Los Angeles for Fox Sports 1. You fell in love with him on TSN. Jay and Dan, they did the morning loop for a while. Jay's turned out a turned out a couple of books. I'm sure you've read those. Jay joined me a few weeks ago, and he didn't know who I was. Boy, it's great to be on with you. Uh, a legend uh, like Bob Layton. Uh, you don't you don't turn down the opportunity to be on a radio show with Bob Layton. When Bob Layton asks you to be on a, a radio show, uh, and especially uh, 6.30 Ched, you absolutely say yes and you get on the phone. So, Bob, thrilled to be on with you, and uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. No, Jay, it's it's me, oh, Reed, Reed, Reed Wilkins. Reed, Reed Wilkins doing the interview. Oh, oh, Reed Wilkins, yes. Yes, I've, uh, yeah, okay, I guess that's fine. That's fine then. Okay, well, let's, let's do this, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Well, it is good to have you on the show, buddy. Have you, have, have you, have you ever forgot who you were interviewing? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. Um, no, but, uh, just yesterday we were doing our show down here and, uh, you know, pe- people might remember we did a, a show in, in on TSN called Sports Center, and uh, at the end of the show, uh, we because we we're bad broadcasters, me and, and my broadcast and life partner Dan O'Toole, uh, we we would all, we have a you blew it segment because we would make so many mistakes, we would point them out. And now because we're in LA and when we meet all these celebrities, we have celebrity people say you blew it at the end. And on yesterday's show it was US national soccer team star Carly Lloyd. But when it came up on the screen, I didn't know who it was. So I, I looked at Dan for a second, like with a blank look on my face, like, is that like the third lead on um like how I met your mother or something like that? So so I guess the bottom line is, no, I haven't forgotten, but certainly I, I don't have a knack for faces. Oh, that's classic. Well, you got to brush up on your U.S. women's soccer team uh, pictures, I guess. You should just be sitting in your well, computer looking at pictures of the U.S. women's soccer team. Yeah, and, and, and Fox down here is the home of, of U.S. soccer, so I really should know these things a little bit better. So, uh Apologies to uh, to the good folks of the U.S. Uh, women's soccer team, uh, except for Abby Wambach, uh, who's a big jerk, as all Canadians know. Right. <laughs> so, so the show you're doing now, and I see clips online, and uh, when you first started with this format, you would send me some video links and stuff like that. Are you always interviewing um, an athlete, or sometimes might you talk to maybe an actor or a musician? Uh, who's a who's a huge maybe a huge sports fan? How, how what kind of guests are you bringing in? Yeah, they're all over the map. We do have a lot of athletes, obviously. Um, we do have uh, some some Fox people. So in the last few days, we've had I'll just give you an idea. We've had uh, on Monday Vince Staples, who some of your uh, your hip hop fans in Edmonton may know, is a huge up and coming hip hop star. Uh, he was on Monday and it turned out to be a terrific guy. And then uh, Tuesday, we had Kurt Menefee, the host of the NFL on Fox. He has a new book out. Terrific book. If you get a chance, pick it up. He interviews people who are known for being legendary losers in professional and amateur sports. So people who have fallen off the balance beam, uh, missed that triple sal cow, uh, you know, gone wide right on the, at the Super Bowl for the Buffalo Bills. 
so he was on. It was a terrific interview. And then yesterday we had uh, a comedian on, Andrew Santino. So we're all over the map. It's a fun show. And I believe it's on now in Canada on Fox Sports Racing. Because when you think of Jay and Dan, you think of Fox Sports Racing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you told me that because I'll have to try to find that channel. I might have to put my antenna back up maybe to get it, or I'm not really sure. Well, yeah. I mean, nobody can find the channel. We're on FS1 down here, and no one can find the channel. Our slogan of our show is the Jay and Dan show. I'll have to try to find that channel. That's the actual slogan of the show. So it's really not a good sign for us long-term. Uh, well, oh, I know you're having fun. Did you miss doing the highlights at all? Because that's, I mean, you used to put so much humor into your highlights, and you guys would do that. Like you, you talked about the you blew it segment, and you like making. Uh, you know the pop culture references, and and you you got the whole Bobrovsky thing going. Do you do you miss doing like a full-on 60-minute highlight show like you did, or is this a nice sort of new path for you? Do you think? Uh, it's it's both. I think I like the new path. I love that we're able to to you know we always people always said, well, you guys should do like a daily show for sports, and that's kind of what we're doing now, and it's a ton of fun. But I do miss the highlights. They're, the highlights. Thing down here in the states, uh, they've just abandoned it altogether. The the idea being that people can find their highlights on their phones, on their tablets. And while I I admit that's true, I still, and I'm sure you're still the same way. I still like kicking back at the end of the day with a cold IPA from the Morinville Brewery and enjoying a highlight show. You know, I, I like a highlight show. I like having all my highlights in one little spot, and I like someone with personality delivering them. So uh, I definitely do miss the highlights, but, uh, but uh, the new direction is great, too. You know, the Morinville Tourism Association really should be sending you a check because every time, you know, <laughs> it's always a plug for the beautiful town of Morinville. So I don't know Listen, if I just want people. Uh, I don't know if people know enough about Warrenville. If they're heading out, you know, maybe people are living on the south end of the city. They don't head north of St. Albert that much. They've got to get to Morinville and experience all that city has to offer, including the Morinville Brewery, where they make a mean IPA with a lot of hops. All right. Well, we'll have to verify that. <laughs> Jay Onright from Fox Sports 1 joining us here on Inside Sports. Hey, uh, the Oilers are in town, in your town. I, I know you went to the game uh, last season. I, I, I want to say it ended 5-4 for L.A. Uh, they built up a lead and the Oilers couldn't uh, quite come back. I mean, is there any, I don't know how many hockey fans you work with. When I visited your office a couple of years ago, uh, it, it seemed there was uh, limited interest in the NHL. <laughs> do, do people talk about McDavid coming to town or, you know, or is this just like you're excited about the game and you have nobody to talk to about it? Yeah, unfortunately, it's the latter, Reed. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's the latter. And, you know, it's amazing because, again, it's, it's kind of a testament to the way the NHL still cannot market their own young stars. Um, you know, you have a you have the best young player in the world coming to town. You'd think there'd at least be some talk about it. You'd think there'd be some effort to get him out on some of the local radio shows or, or talk shows. But so far, that just hasn't uh, hasn't materialized, at least to my knowledge. Um, you know, the thing with this town right now, Reed, 
is it's uh, it's a basketball town right now. You know, uh, the Dodgers, it's over. Baseball's over. So now the focus is the Lakers and the Clippers. And uh, unfortunately, the Kings and the Ducks are very much, uh, you know, popular with the fan base that they have. But in terms of getting, you know, a lot of media exposure throughout the city, uh, unfortunately, it's just not happening. But keep in mind, it is, uh, you know, 24 degrees here. And it's, I guess maybe that's an excuse. Maybe it's hard for people to wrap their heads around hockey when you're still wearing shorts to work. All right, that is Jay Onright, and this has been the best of Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, besides Jay tonight, you heard from Rogie Vashon, Phil Esposito, Cavis Reed, Brian Benning, Sid Smith, and Henry Burris. You ever miss anything on the show or you like something so much you want to hear it again, go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com or go to iTunes and sign up for the Inside Sports podcast. All right, we're back with a, a brand new edition of Inside Sports tomorrow night from 6 to 8. That's going to be fun. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.